What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me again, the host table, Miss Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, I missed being here. Welcome back. We missed you. Oh, it feels good to be back. We. It would hmm. have been nice if you would have brought some of that warm air back. Yeah, I mean, you want to stay in Hawaii, but I miss the podcast, I'll be honest. Hmm. Uh, I'm a married man now, so... Yeah, I got that uh, ring on your finger. The bling. You, um, you sealed the deal. Shout out to my lovely wife, Hannah Pearson, uh, seeing Ooh. her name for the first time today on all sorts of paperwork and stuff so super exciting um i I feel like i missed so much i was able to watch last week's stuff a little bit watch the sermon this week was on a plane this weekend um but i don't know i I almost feel like you guys know more than me at this point so (laughs) let's jump into a a sunday in review we're still in romans 10 uh been talking through that so alicia i'll come your way first um some (laughs) thoughts on on you know this past weekend for for fellowship so we just jumped right into application this week, which was really mm. great because uh, the t- title of the sermon was Calling Upon the Lord's Name, an Invitation to All Believers. And not only is that an individual invitation, invitation but it's a corporate invitation. Mm. And so as a congregation, we heard the Word of God preached and then had the opportunity to proclaim to call upon the name of the Lord. And we did that through singing, through confession, by reading the word of God uh, aloud together, uh, through prayer. And it was just really, uh, just a really neat experience to do that as as a whole body together. And just, uh, our small group met last night and we were thinking about um, just how that impacts our lives individually and corporately when we all come together and to see others, um, worshiping God and especially people who, you know, maybe a little bit about their story and what they've walked through or, or walking through. And when they come together as a congregation and they're there worshiping, proclaiming the faithfulness of God and who he is in the midst of whatever it is that they have walked through or are walking through. It's just such an encouragement um, to the rest of the body. <laughs> so it was just neat to be able to practice that and um, to do that together. I to, to highlight the importance of God's not necessarily going to pull you out of that circumstance that's brought you to right. his to his feet, calling out his name. And I, I think you even mentioned that on, on a mm-hmm. podcast a week or so ago, Mark. Um, and anything, I mean, we're seeing all those different examples of people calling upon the name of the Lord as you were preparing this sermon. Were there were there other passages you're not quite getting to? Do you do you feel like there was something else you could elaborate on, or did everybody call upon the name? <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, it, it it is a kind of a pervasive thought in the scriptures, and that's what I wanted to communicate from Genesis 4, where it's first found when uh, Enosh is born from Seth, and then people begin to call on the name of the Lord. Uh, yeah, there, there are a couple of things I, I would bring out in the podcast. Uh, one is, it seems like there are times when, like in that passage in, in, in uh, Genesis 4, 25 and 26, or in Genesis 12, 6 through 8 with Abraham, called upon the name of the Lord. 
at times I think it's it, it seems like it's tied to the promises of God. So it's mm -hmm. like they're calling upon the name of the Lord and they're they're it's it's a it's a prayer, it's a it's a call to the Lord to um to fulfill his promises. So people begin to call on the name of the Lord when Enosh was born and Seth because before then there was it was hopelessness. All of these examples that you gave, they're rooted in hope. They're rooted in hope and and hope that God has spoken, that God has has promised things. And so people when God's people call upon his name, there's a certain confidence like when Elijah was on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. I mean, he, there he is. He's all alone. I mean, God doesn't come through with that guy. He's, he, you know, he's cooked. You know, his goose is cooked. Uh -huh. And he calls upon the name of the Lord. It's just like, do this, Lord. You know, mm -hmm. you, you are real. You are alive. Mm -hmm. And you have promised to, to uh, you know, answer our call. In fact, God sent Elijah to do this. Mm -hmm. So, all right, God, I'm out here. Now, do what you said you're going to do, kind of like. So I think there's that element of it. It, it is, it's not that it's reminding God, but it's, it's reminding ourselves what God has said, and we call upon him to, to do it. It's another little aspect to this thing. Well, I think it's so important you said it's, it's not to remind God to work, but just to remind ourselves, you know, who he is because, and, and you mentioned in the sermon, this, this is to believers. The, the, it's not calling upon the name of the Lord to, to be saved from hell. It's it's about that fellowship and restoring that understanding right. of, of of God and, and what he can be for us in those moments. And then, Alicia, you mentioned, you know, there, all these things are built in hope. So then if we can have our aware, like, what are we hopeful for? Mm -hmm. That is what motivates us to call upon the name of the Lord. The other thing I was going to bring out is that <clears throat> in the Exodus passage, in... Um, uh, Exodus 34, when Moses had the two, uh, verse 4, Exodus mm -hmm. 34 says, Moses chiseled out two stone tablets, like the first ones, uh, went up the Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him, carried with him the two stone tablets in his hands, and then the Lord came down, stood there with him, and he proclaimed his name. Uh, the, he proclaimed his own name. Too. Right. And it's interesting, how did God identify himself? What were the characteristics of his own personal characteristics that he proclaimed? And of all the characteristics, he could have said, I'm holy, 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 like mm -hmm. in Isaiah chapter 6, where the seraphim said. He could have said, I'm sovereign, 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 and all that would be true. I'm, you know, righteous, righteous, righteous. And, and but, but what he does proclaim is that the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, and this is coming on the heels of the people doing the golden calf thing. Right, right. So, so I, th I just thought it was fascinating that that's how God self-revealed. Yeah, yeah. He proclaimed his name that way. And I, yeah. I love that passage, and I got so excited about it last week. But then this week is really neat because in um, my, just in my own devotional time, I'm going through the Bible chronologically, and I'm in Numbers right now. And um, in Numbers... Shortly after um, the spies were sent into mm. Canaan and the 10 spies came back and they were afraid and um, they're like, the people are too big. The city's too big. It's too strong for us. And then the people rebel. They want to go back to Egypt. Um, Moses and Aaron, they fall on their faces before God. Um, Joshua and Caleb, they tear their clothes. The people still want to stone him. But 
it, I mean, God is ready to strike these people down. He's had it once again, just like with the calf. And so just like uh, with the calf situation, Moses pleads before God, and here he does it again. He he intervenes and he pleads on behalf of the people, and uh, he does it because he wants to protect God's name, like he wants God to protect his name in front of the Egyptians. And he quotes God's own words about himself back to God. And he uses those same words. Um, so in Numbers 14, starting in 17, he said, uh, Moses is saying, and now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generations. Please pardon the iniquity of these people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt and unto now. And so he's like... He's using the own the words own Lord oh, the Lord's own words to say remember your promises and and God is faithful to his promises and he he relents again with consequences but <laughs> and, he did, and it's that aspect of his compassion and of his forgiveness yes yes so when we looked at that it was a real quick turn in Acts uh, when Stephen was uh, was being stoned, stoned was being right, martyred right and. And it's interesting that he invokes the name, he called it, it says, upon the name of the Lord, while he's being stoned, his last breath. But what is it immediately after that? After he calls upon the name of the Lord in Acts uh, chapter 7, verse uh, 59, I think it is, mm -hmm. it says, he says, Lord, don't hold this against them. Against them. He's, mm -hmm. he's, he's calling upon the name of the Lord in, in terms of that aspect of God and his character of forgiveness, of his compassion to the ones who are stoning him. So he's tying that, again, that character of God's forgiveness right? as which, he calls upon the name. Which also is connected to the, the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus 26, um, after that, that same passage of um, what God's declaring about himself, verse 6 says, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And that's the heart of God is just showing this this loving kindness, this steadfast forgiveness that he's offering his people again and again and again. It's, yes. also, it's also humbling to see the the context in which these people are calling upon the name of the Lord and comparing what they're going through with what we're going through and how we still wouldn't even call upon the name of the Lord or, or we don't bring him into those moments. Yeah, yeah, it's mm -hmm. instructive. And again, yeah. that's, that's what the passage, uh, uh, I think why we put that emphasis and practiced it in our worship. Another passage along the same lines is Psalm 116, where the psalmist says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy, and he turned his ear to me, and because he did, I will, he did, I will call on him as long as I live. Then it goes on, it says, the next verse, verse 3, the cords of death entangled me, the anguish of the grave came upon me, I was overcome by trouble and sorrow, then I called on the name of the Lord, O God, or O Lord, save me. And then the very next verse, verse 5 says, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. And he protects the simple-hearted. It goes on. So there again, it's tied to this compassionate, gracious, righteous uh, heart of God. And, and that's mm -hmm. what people were celebrating. And so calling upon the name of the Lord. And the point, I think, that I was trying to make in the sermon is 
you can't do that if you don't know this God <laughs> right. intimately yeah. like that. Uh, it, it is for believers. You can't call upon him whom you have not believed, says Paul. Mm -hmm. and, and he goes on, and we'll see next week. You can't believe on him whom you haven't heard from. And you can't hear if you haven't had a preacher sent. You can't mm -hmm. have a preacher if they haven't, someone hasn't sent them. But um, so the calling upon the name of the Lord is an exclusive privilege for believers in Jesus Christ because they've been on the receiving end of God's mm -hmm. compassion and forgiveness. But how often we forget that, how often we we lose sight of the fact that, you know, but by the grace of God, I mean, I, the, the cords in, of death entangled me. I was low in trouble, and then I cried out, Lord, save me. Or, you know, we call upon the name of the Lord. We, we rehearse to ourselves, Lord, you are compassionate, you're gracious. You, that's been proven at the cross. Mm -hmm. And so I think, as I often quote, maybe ad infinitum, Tozer, who said, you know, what a man thinks about God is the most important thing about him. Um, you, you're not going to call upon a God that you don't know well. Mm. So the most important thing for us as believers is to know God and mm. know him well. Is And you do that through his word and, and spending time and, and being with the body of believers as we share the stories of God's redemption or his compassion and grace and that's part of corporate worship right. is proclaiming to one another so what should be done in small groups mm -hmm. you know it's just, not just a open a bible study mm -hmm. tell us what god did for you this week where, where, where where's god showing up in your life and if you celebrate you know who god is and and how faithful he is yeah and as you're doing that you're calling upon the name of the lord yeah hmm. So I read this article. Um, it was written back in 2014. It's by a pastor named Matt Boswell. And he was talking about, um, well, the, the title of the article is Corporate Worship, A Lifting of the Gaze. And he was talking about how he had preached a funeral for um, a child that had, some, a couple who had lost their baby. And um, at the same time of preaching that funeral, his wife, uh, she was in the process of miscarrying their child. Mm. And so their congregation was just experiencing deep grief. And um, so he says, now the Sunday after had come, and I had chosen songs to remind them, to remind me of God's faithfulness and goodness in the midst of suffering. It is difficult to sing with sorrow in your throat. What our friends did need were what our friends did not need were three tips to overcome pain or a weightless song that may pacify for a moment. What they needed, what I needed, was to behold the glory of God in the face of Christ. We needed a lifting of our gaze. And that is such a, that's where we have to have the body. We have to come together to remind ourselves who who is Jesus? Who is our king? Who is on the throne? Who is the one with that steadfast love that's holding us and keeping us near? Yeah. And so it's in those times of sorrows as well as in those times of rejoicing that we're doing that together. We celebrate together. We weep together. Uh, so to do that alone, I, I can't imagine how mm -hmm. lonely, how, how empty that would be. Yeah. Yeah, we are created in the image of God. And in Genesis 1, it says, 
it's as if the Godhead is conferring, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image after our likeness, male and female, he created them. So here is diversity in the Trinity, and yet oneness coming together, and he makes man in his image. And part of that image is this capacity to relate. He didn't just yeah. make man isolated or woman isolated. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. And of course, in a marriage relationship, which now you have entered into, the two distinct, unique individuals are brought together in a one oneness relationship mm -hmm. reflecting the Trinity. Mm -hmm. But that image of God that is stamped within us has that capacity to relate. And, if, and, and we're in isolation as so oftentimes like a pandemic like mm -hmm. this has done, mm -hmm. um, it, it can have a, 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 a burdensome or negative impact. And part of that, um, the value of that relationship of, of, of corporateness uh, is to rehearse who God is, to remind each other. That's why we need each other. Because, you know, there are moments where it's, we might we just might not see God and and call him upon his name is might be the last thing we're doing because we're, we're lost in the fog of the moment but that's where the body of Christ comes in and we're we're that's why corporate worship and I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago it's so valuable because mm. you just come and and as the songs are being sung whether you feel like it or not all of a sudden you, you're if you come with a, a heart that says all right Lord I may not feel like it today I I may not want to even be here, but do your work. I present myself to you, Lord, uh, and God will show up. I mean, mm -hmm. he's not going to play games with us. So it's, it's Which, that valuable. That that first Corinthians one verse two mm -hmm. that you brought out, it, um, there's a process of sanctification that God works in us through that corporate gathering of being together. Cause it, He's he's talking to the church to the church of God that's in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their Lord and ours he's not just my Lord he's our Lord mm -hmm. and together he's working he's sanctifying us and he's building us up um, through this it, corporate gathering through this corporate proclaiming calling upon his name yeah. He's yeah. at work. And it does say, who is our Lord, uh, their Lord and our Lord. I mean, Paul said in, in Romans 10, um, uh, it's it's part of this confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, is calling upon the name of the Lord. You, you don't want to so buddyfy Jesus. He's my buddy. No, he is the Lord. And yeah. and so when he ex uh, declared himself to Moses there in, in Exodus 34, mm -hmm. the Lord... The Lord, yes, Jehovah, that is Almighty Yahweh. I think there should be some reverent fear. That's right. That, that's right. To that. It's mindful that this is the God who didn't need to, didn't have to, but He did mm -hmm. show compassion and grace. But He is still the exalted Lord, and we call upon His name. And I, I, if there's anything that can come out of a sermon like that, I hope it's at this idea that that we. Uh, will understand the, with a renewed perspective the privilege that we have. We who are dust, and from dust we've come and to dust we're going to return. Uh, but we have the privilege 
at any moment of the day, in any waking conscious awareness moment, to call upon his name, to have an intimate conversation with the creator of the universe, of, of Almighty God, no matter what the situation, whether it's good times, bad times, happy times, unhappy times, whatever the situation is, we can call upon the name of Jehovah, Lord God, my Lord, my Savior, yes, my friend, but my Jesus. Mm. And um, to not do that has got to be one of the greatest missed opportunities <laughs> Well, of a believer's he, life. In verse in verse 12, and you pulled this out, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, the same Lord, the Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on, on yeah. him. And at the beginning of your sermon, you were talking about Charles and Jonathan Wesley and how Charles, he was saved reading Luther's commentary on Romans, which I have. Um, and so I brought the I brought the book, um, and I was wanted, I wanted to read this one passage of what Luther has to say about the same Lord overall is rich unto all who call upon him, because I just think this is so good. Uh, so Martin Luther writes, but the apostle means to emphasize the fact that God gives exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, as we read in Ephesians 3.20, so that compared with his gifts, the prayers of those who call upon him seem poor and modest. Those who call upon him could never think of such great things as he gives, much less pray for them. So we read in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you. He therefore is rich when he gives. We are poor when we pray. He is mighty when he grants us our petitions. We are timid and weak when we ask. We do not pray for as much as he can and will give, for we do not pray according to his ability to give but far short of his ability, according to our weakness. But he can give only according to his might. Therefore, he always gives more than we ask for. Mm. And those are the, that exceeding, exceedingly abundantly, more than we could ask or think. That's great. That's words from over or about 500 years ago. <laughs> well, and that was the coolest thing for me this weekend, seeing all these different scriptures point to the exact same thing. Even a sermon I have to do next week for one of my seminary classes is James 4, 3 through 6, addressing the early church, their selfishness, and it ends with him saying, but God gives more grace. Mm -hmm. and so you see that characteristic come back regardless of the circumstance, just because we get so caught up in who we are, we, we do forget who God is. It, mm -hmm. it, it, automatically, that will start to happen as we're down here, I think. And so that, that fellowship, really cool to think about. Yep, yeah. And remember, and we'll keep talking about this in Romans in the next couple of weeks, Paul did have predominantly these, the Jewish people in mind when he wrote that. Mm -hmm. And there will be a time coming at the end of the age where they will call upon the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. They will see him for who he is. Not, they, not vast majority does not yet, but they will see him when he returns. And um, their hearts and eyes will be open, and they will call upon his name, and God will deliver him. So. Eschatology. Keeping right. you on your toes. All right. All right. <laughs> Guys, it's good to be back. I missed you both very much. We Thank you to our you. listeners, viewers all over the place. <clears throat> As a reminder, fpcva.life. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Forward slash sermon spotlight. Really choked up about I it. I know. I'm just, just so emotional. <laughs> uh, the fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Till next week, much love. God bless.